Welcome to Creekside Church. Good morning to everyone. You guys can have a seat for just a second. A few announcements. First of all, last week, uh, wasn't that awesome to have the African Children's Choir here? Um, Rod, Rod let me know that uh, we raised $2,400 for the Children's Choir last week in their uh, offering. Uh, so that's really exciting on top of the $500 that we uh, shared with them to come here. So uh, that was a real blessing, hopefully, for them as well as for us. A uh, couple things exciting coming up. July 4th, for those, how many of you were at the July 4th picnic last year? Raise your hand. All right, quite a few. We're going to be doing that again this year, 5 p.m. on July 4th. Uh, bring a side and salad, and there's going to be meat provided. And then, and then stick around all the way till the fireworks because this is a great spot to watch the fireworks out here on the front lawn. So, and just to hang out with our church family. So, and then the day after, on July 5th, uh, Brett Rickley is going to be here. And he is going to be sharing, a, doing an evangelism workshop with us. And so that's going to be really exciting. So um, hopefully you can come out on July 4th and July 5th and uh, join us then. thank you uh, that Jesus is risen. Uh, God, we thank you that he conquered sin and death and hell. Uh, and God, we pray that that, uh, that, that power uh, that raised him from the dead, God, that we realize that is alive and active within us. And God, we pray for Creekside in this new season. God, we pray that, uh, God, you would use your people here. And God, that we would uh, begin to see uh, a mighty work uh, in Urbandale and in Des Moines. And God, we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to John chapter 1, John chapter 1. I, um, when I was a kid, well, and I'm truthful, probably now as well, I was a big Royals fan and uh, loved the Royals and, and my favorite player growing up was, was George Brett, and you've heard of George Brett, obviously, who hasn't, right? So George Brett... Uh, if there was anything George Brett, I had it. So I had over 100 George Brett baseball cards. I would follow his career. I listened. I mean, this is probably dating me a little bit, but I listened to the games on the radio, all right, and uh, listened to the Royals games and all this. And I remember one time I was sitting kind of in the corner in the living room, and my sister was there with her boyfriend at the time. She probably doesn't remember this. She just walked in the room, uh, Mike, Mike Rice, when you dated him. Uh, so... And so I was sitting in the corner, and, you know, they're just hanging out, watching TV on the couch, and I'm watching the Royals game, and George Brett comes up to bat, and I'm in sixth grade, I think, if I remember right, and I literally was just, like, worshiping him as he came up to bat. I'm going, and she saw me and, you know, started making fun of me. Fortunately, her boyfriend at the time was a Royals fan and, and stood up for me. But this was my, my love affair, my passion for George Brett, my idol. And so whatever there was, I would follow George Howard Brett, right? I mean, he's... He won the batting title in three different decades. You show me somebody else that's done that. He's the closest to come to 400 since Ted Williams hit 400. I love this guy. I followed him. He was, he was my guy. And I'm older now, and so I still like George Brett and still like other Royals. But it probably doesn't play out the same, right? And I'm not sitting in the corner, at least you hope, I'm not sitting in the corner worshiping my, my favorite player. But, but as we look at our lives and we look at the world around us, I think many of us have a tendency to 
to still do this type of thing. We find figures, whether political or sports or whoever else, that may be great leaders, may be charismatic, and we'll follow them, won't we? You see in the political realm all the time that people will find their candidate and they become so passionate about their candidate, their lives revolve around that candidate. They follow them, they'll do whatever. It happens. It's normal that we all kind of have this desire to follow. Uh, read a story uh, about a guy named Jeffrey Schmoltz. He was from the New York Times, and this was in the early 90s, and he had AIDS at the time. But before he passed away, this was, uh, I think, uh, 92 or 91, he, he, he was saying this now, right, and 93 after it happened, saying, you know, if only I could have a Democrat in the White House, my life would be saved. If only a Democrat could be in the White House, somehow I'll be saved. Well, it happens, and afterwards he, he, he made the statement, man, I just realized how foolish I was. Now, it doesn't matter if it's Democrat or Republican. That's, that's not the point. But just foolish that he thought that that individual, if they could get in the White House, somehow his life would be saved. And he realized it. There he is at the end of his life. And, but many of us and many in this world still, they, they look to people, great leaders to follow, to put their trust in, to put their hope in, that things will be different if that person's in control. And we have a tendency to do that in our own lives, that we look for these charismatic and these great leaders. And it's great that there are individuals like that, but I think the point is that God has created us for that. But ultimately, he has created us to follow his son Jesus that we were created to follow this perfect one, the one who will make all things right, who will wipe away every tear, who will offer life and life abundant, life that we have not experienced before. We were designed to follow him. But so many times we find replacement. So many times we find others that when we're not following Jesus, we follow them in his stead. And so this morning, as we look at this passage in John chapter 1, I want to keep this thought in mind that this, this Son of God, this great man, is calling us to follow Him. And until we truly follow Him, we're going to have other idols, other gods, other people that are going to take our time and affection and ultimately will follow instead. But I want to hear his words as he calls not only these first disciples, but us as well to follow him. And there's three things I want us to see, three points I want to make in this idea of following Jesus. And I think there's a pattern. And if you look at the lives of the disciples, you look through the New Testament, and we probably look at our own lives, we see this. That first, there's this idea of see. Come and see who Jesus is. And the second, there's this idea of salvation, that there comes a point, yeah, okay, Jesus is calling us to see, but there will come a point when his greatest decision we'll make in life, what are we going to do with Jesus? Will we choose salvation or not? So see him, salvation, and then surrender. That even as we make a decision to follow Jesus, there will come a time in our life when, when he's going to, okay, no longer comfortable. I mean, look at the lives of the disciple, right? It started, come and see. Then it was a call to salvation, and ultimately at the end, they made the statement, we've given up everything to follow you, surrendered it all to follow you. And so it seems there's a natural pattern, the, the same pattern that we see with the disciples, often the pattern that we see in our own lives, to come and see who he is, to make this decision on salvation, 
and then to surrender all for the kingdom of God. So let's look, John chapter 1, starting in verse 43. This is Jesus calling Philip and Nathanael. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So the first thing we want to see is this idea of following Jesus, just to come and see who he is. If you look at verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. And this is where it begins. Now, if you look at Philip, I think we see this, and you look at a lot of the calling of the disciples, and I think there's some background that, that's probably missing from what we see. So we see this, and we see guys like, he'll come up to Matthew, right, the, the tax collector, and Matthew just drops everything and follows him. Philip, right here, asked to follow him, he follows him. Uh, Andrew, earlier in John chapter 1, said, hey, follow me, he follows him. Well, I think there's a lot going on. I think what's going to happen is, I, I think many times, I, I don't think we're expected to follow Jesus without seeing his work first. I, I think these guys, and it's displayed in several ways, and I think these guys probably illustrate what's seen. I think, first of all, his power is evident in the Word of God. We're going to see this play out. If you read about Philip and Nathaniel here, you're going to see these are two guys that knew the Scripture. These are two guys that studied the Word of God. And so when they saw and they encountered Jesus and they met Jesus, they were able to respond because they knew the Bible. They knew that there was a Messiah coming. They knew what the Word of God said about him, and so now here is Jesus, and he says, come, follow me. They respond because his power is evident in the Word of God. And sometimes this is how God is going to work in your life. Not sometimes, pretty much all the time. God is going to work in your life because as we study and we see the Scriptures and we see the life of Jesus and we see his teachings, we see his miracles, we see his healing, God calls us, come and see what I'm about. His power is evident in the Word of God. His power is evident in creation, right? You only have to look around and you see a great designer. You only have to look at our own bodies and see this, this doesn't happen by accident. The intricate parts of our body, and there is a great designer. And we look at that and we say, there must be a God. There must be a God. His power is evident in the lives of others around us. Isn't that true? Can't you see God working when you see the power of changed lives? You'll see it played out here in the disciples' life as well. I think of my own life. Uh, grew up in the church, right? I grew up in this church. Came to Sunday school. I think I slept through most weeks of going to Sunday school. But I never really, I'm sure I heard the message, right? It's a Bible-preaching church. Told the story of Jesus often. But I don't ever remember, like, it just didn't sink in, right? 
who has ears, let him hear. And it never really sank in. And I remember being, you know, junior high, and for the first time, I, I really saw the gospel lived out in life. And it was my brother's own life. As he began to get excited about following Jesus, for the first time, I saw the power, the power lived out in the lives of others. And he started a, a, you know, a Bible study at, at Ankeny High School, and I saw his life, and he chose to go to a Bible college because he wanted to study the Word of God more. And for the first time, I saw it lived out. And for me, when I was 15 years old at a Bible camp, studying the Word of God, going through the Gospel of John, I made a decision. Man, I need to follow Jesus. And maybe I would heard some things, but it was the power of a life lived out. And then the power of going through and seeing the life of Jesus, hearing his teaching, that I knew, uh, all right, Jesus is calling me to follow him. The power is evident in the word of God. The power is evident in his creation. The power is evident in the lives around him. So Jesus comes up and he says to Philip, follow me. And Philip, like Andrew and Peter, verse 44, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. I love his response here, right? He goes to Philip and he says, follow me. And what is Philip's first response? His first response. He goes and he tells his friend, Nathaniel, you got to meet this Jesus. You got to meet him. Go, go look at the stories. Go, go see how Andrew, what is Andrew? The first thing Jesus calls Andrew to follow him, and what's Andrew do? He goes and he gets his brother Peter. Jesus encounters Matthew, the tax collector. He says, Matthew, follow me. Matthew gives up everything, follows him, and then the first thing he does is he goes and he throws a party and invites all his friends so they can come and meet Jesus. The gospel is truly alive when this type of thing happens. When people who have encountered Jesus go tell others, come, come and see. Come and see what he's all about. I, I was talking with our new pastor, Steve, this week, and we were having the conversation, and he, we were talking about kind of the pastor Creekside, and I was uh, telling him about uh, my days as the youth pastor and, and some of the cool things we saw there. And I said, you know, Steve, it started because there was one person who went and invited a friend. And we had one kid from Dallas Center High School, and all of a sudden, you know, within a year, we had 25 coming. Because you know what they were doing? They'd encountered the gospel, they encountered Jesus, and they couldn't help but go tell their friends, come and see. Come and see. And when we encounter Jesus, man, this should be our response. When we encounter the gospel, when we encounter the living God, our response should be exactly like Philip like Matthew, like Andrew. Come and see. You've got to meet this Jesus. Let me show you the one. Come and see. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Now understand, these guys knew the word of God, right? His power is evident in the word of God. And Nathaniel and Philip, these guys... They're Israelites, all right? They were Jews. They studied the Word of God. And most of them had the Torah, right? The first five books of the Bible. They had it memorized by the time they were 10. They knew the Word of God. They studied the Word of God. And in seeing this passage, my guess is they were hungry and probably studied the Word of God. Or 
God together. They sought the Messiah together. They knew what the Scripture said about this Messiah that was to come. And so when, when Philip comes and he encounters Nathaniel, he says, hey, I found the one Moses wrote about in the law and whom the prophets also wrote. Okay, we've been looking for him. We've sought him. And you know what, Nathaniel? He's here. He's here. Can it be? And Nathaniel's in Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? Why does he respond like that? Why does he respond like that? He responds like that because he knows the Scripture. The power of God is evident in the Word of God, and he's looking at this, and, okay, isn't the Messiah supposed to be born in Bethlehem? He's coming from Nazareth? I, I don't fully understand this. And Nazareth, Nazareth was kind of like a hick town, right? It's kind of like Carlisle. Okay, it was a place people don't like to spend a lot of time. You guys know what I'm talking about. Okay, but they knew the Scripture. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Carl, I was okay. Uh, they, they knew the Scripture. They knew they were looking for the Messiah. And so he responds, you know, can anything good? And what's Philip's response? What does Philip say? Come and see. Come and see. And this is where it begins. An invitation to just come and encounter Jesus. Listen, as followers of Jesus, as people who have, have experienced the power of the gospel, this is what we want to be like. As people at Creekside, this is what we want to be like. A simple, come and see who Jesus is. Come and see what he's all about. Come and experience his life as we dig in to the gospel of John. As we read through and we see the life of Jesus, simply come and see and discover who Jesus is. As we look at the calling of Jesus, this is where it begins. A simple come and see. His calling on the disciples, his calling on many of our lives, and, and maybe your life this morning, maybe this is where it begins. That he's simply saying to you, hey, come and see what I'm all about. Read about my life. Read about my teachings. Read about my healings. Read about my miracles. Read about how I went to the cross, how I died for your sins. Read about those things and discover who I am. Come and see. The second thing we see is salvation. Follow me. See, and then salvation. Verse 47, it says, When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answers, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree, even before Philip called you. And listen to Nathaniel's response, because here it is, when we talk about salvation, we talk about truly understanding that Jesus was not simply just a good man with good teaching, but that he was somebody more than that. And Nathaniel, knowing the scriptures, knowing the Messiah was to come and what he was looking for, Nathaniel declares, Rabbi, teacher, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And that's a statement the Son of God, that this isn't some ordinary teacher. This isn't some ordinary cool guy, good guy, knows how to preach. This, this is the Son of God, the King of Israel. And he saw it because, right, he experienced the power of God in the Scriptures. He had a heart for God, and he responds, calling him the Son of God and the King of Israel. And Jesus calling us to the same thing, that we would know, as Nathaniel knew, that this Jesus that we read about, this Jesus that we study, this Jesus that we're called to come and see, that he's the Son of God. 
the living God, the King of Israel, a, a man who is worthy to follow, a man who we know will wipe away all tears, a, may, a man we know will make all things right, a man worthy to follow. Not, not everybody responds like Nathaniel does. You know, many people, this is the greatest question. This is the greatest thing we're going to deal with in life is what are we going to do with Jesus? The greatest question you have to ask in your life. When you encounter Jesus and we're called for that decision, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to be like Nathaniel that we look at Jesus, we experience Jesus, we see who he is and we say, yeah, you know what? That's the son of God. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of my life. I want to follow him. Or we're going to respond differently. I want to turn quickly to John chapter 8. We won't spend much time here, and you don't have to turn there. You can just listen to me. But John chapter 8, I, I love looking at John 8, and it's just, there's a, so much truth in John chapter 8, but it's just crazy what happens to me. Because here, John chapter 8, Jesus is kind of laying out the gospel for him. He's telling him who he is, and then you're going to see the response both ways. Response of people who will follow him and response of people who will reject him. And all of us, at one point in our life, are going to have to make that decision. Are we going to follow Jesus or are we going to reject him? I think John 8 lays that out. Look, look at John 8, 12, and I'll just kind of skip around in some verses. But John 8, 12, Jesus spoke again to the people. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Skipping down uh, to verse 23, he says, but he continued, but you are from below and I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told that you, th that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. You will indeed die in your sins. He's laying out the gospel. He's telling them, hey, listen, I'm from above, right? I'm the son of God. I'm from above. And if you don't believe in me, if you don't put your hope and your trust in me, if you don't follow me, you're going to die. You're going to live in darkness. You have a choice. You can choose life and light, or you can choose darkness. You can choose, like Nathaniel, to say, I am the king, or you can choose to follow others. You can be like Nathaniel. You can choose to say, you know what, this is the son of God, or you can reject him. But we come to a point when we talk about salvation, we must make a choice. Are we going to follow Jesus, or are we going to reject him? And you see as these people here in John chapter 8 are encountering Jesus. Listen, as it, as it continues uh, in verse 27, they did not understand what he's telling them. Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He and that I do nothing in my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases Him. I'm going to be lifted up. I'm going to be crucified. I am going to die so that you don't have to live in darkness, so you no longer have to live in your sin. If you follow me, if you trust me, you can live in the light. You can live a full and abundant life because I'm the king. I'm the son of God. And the response in verse 30, even as he spoke, many believed in him. So he's given them this truth of who he is, and they encounter the truth, and many believed in him. Many believe this truth, but it continues on. The words of Jesus are not easy. And by the end, 
Now, I'm not going to read all these verses for you. I would encourage you to go back and read them. But as the end, as he's telling them who he is, he says this in verse 58, Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Now, if you're like these guys, and you've studied the Word of God, and you know the truths of Scripture, you know the statement Jesus is making right here. That Jesus is making the statement that he is God. I am. It's a statement he's got. And knowing that and seeing the response, you know, there'll be people that will say, oh, Jesus never makes the pl- claim that he's God. Well, read John 8, and he makes it plenty of times, including right here. And it's so evident that he's making the claim that he's God is that right after that, at this, they picked up stones to stone him, right? He makes this statement that he's God, and they pick up the stones to stone him. And so here, the truth is laid out in John chapter 8. He's the Son of God. He's the King of Israel. He's the light of the world, that if we follow Him, we won't live in darkness. If we follow Him, we no longer have to live in our sin by following Jesus, by choosing salvation in Him. Or, here's the rest. They encounter it, and what do they do? They want to stone Him. They want to kill Him. They want to hear this truth. And there comes a point in all of our lives when we have to ask that same question. What am I going to do with Jesus? Right? This is either truth or it's not. What am I going to do with Jesus? And so if you're here this morning and you've not encountered that, I want to challenge you and encourage you to study the life of Jesus, that you would come and you would see him. But ultimately, when we come to that fork in the road, like the, the Jews did here in John chapter 8. What, what will you choose? At this time, in these words of Jesus, many people deserted Jesus. You're going to see here in John chapter 8, pretty much everybody begins to, to leave Jesus in the coming chapters. Begin to desert him. The truth. The truth. Jesus tells us, you know the truth. The truth will set you free. Right here in John chapter 8. He says, if you know me, you know me, I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you know me, then you'll be set free. you no longer live in darkness. And so that fork in the road comes if we want to choose to follow Jesus, choose salvation. Are we going to choose to follow him or are we going to reject him? Follow me. The last thing I think it comes a point is first there's the come and see. Come and see who he is. Come and see what he's all about. And then there's a point, salvation. Will we choose to follow him? Will we choose to make him king of our life? Will we choose to believe that this is the son of God, that through him my sins can be forgiven, that through him I can experience life and light, abundant life, full life, where I can choose darkness. The final is surrender. Surrender. He calls us to come and see. He calls us to salvation. And ultimately, he calls us to surrender. I want to turn quickly to Luke chapter 9, a common verse here. In Luke 9, 23, he said, Then he said to them all, let me start in 22, The Son of Man must suffer many things. He's talking about his death here, right? Must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. He must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. He lays it out. Here's what's going to happen. Now, for us, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple, 
If you want to follow me, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? What good is it to lose or forfeit your whole self, gain the whole world, and yet lose yourself? Jesus is saying, hey, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, you've got to be willing to surrender all. And if you look at the life of the disciples, and you look at from this first part in John chapter 1 where it's a simple, hey, come and see. And then you get to John chapter 8, and he's saying, okay, here's the truth. I'm the Son of God. I'm the light of life. Follow me or destruction and death. Make a choice. And those that follow him, you know what he does for his disciples? Okay, they'll even say at the end that, hey, Jesus, we gave up everything to follow you. The life of following Jesus is not easy. It's a life of surrender to ourself. It's a life of giving up, right? Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Give up my desires. Give up my wants for him and the kingdom. Deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. And these guys knew what it meant to take up your cross. To take up your cross meant death, right? It was, it was evident. It was, they saw it. They saw people crucified. They knew what it was. Picking up your cross was dying. Now, we may never be called to that extent. We might. I don't know. We may never be. But the same thing, Jesus, as he called his disciples, he's calling us. Come and see Come to salvation and come to surrender, to deny yourself, to pick up your cross and follow me daily, daily follow me. And you look at the lives of people who came to Jesus. Uh, You think of the rich man who came to Jesus and he said, hey, you know what, I followed the commandments, I've done all these things, tell me what I need to do, tell me what I need to do. And Jesus knew his heart, right? Jesus knew the thing that was keeping him back. He said, okay, go sell all your possessions to the poor, then you can follow me. The guy couldn't do it, right? It, that's, what was, that's what he was following. That was the idol in his life. That was the God in his life. You look at the man who comes and says to him, hey, I just need to go back. I need to bury my father. Then I'll follow you. Well, what's he saying? He, you know, I think we can probably interpret it that it wasn't just his dad's funeral. It was, you know, hey, his dad was still living and he'd take care of his dad. Then he would follow him after his dad was gone. He said, no, you can't now. You've got to be willing to drop all and follow me. This is the verse I'm going to use if my dad ever asks for help later in life. Uh, follow me. And then we see the, the one who just want to go back and say bye to his family, right? I just want to tell my family goodbye. So no, you're not, not fit. He uses the oxen, right? The plow and the oxen as the example in this total dedication that, hey, compared to your love for me, it's going to look like you hate your family. No, he doesn't call us to do that, obviously. It's contradictory to who he is and what he tells us to do. But in comparison to our love and our dedication to him and to the kingdom, that's what it looks like, to surrender all to him. The lives of the disciple, man, they gave up everything. And following Jesus is not easy. I was talking to Matt Deaver. I had lunch with him earlier this week. And, and you know, we were talking about what's going on in Nepal. And I know he told, I was not here, but he told us about what was happening but even, you know, having the discussion with them about the difficulties and the struggles they're going through. 
I'm thinking, man, God, can you spare? He's, tr- he's trying to go serve. But you realize that, that's, not, that's the calling, isn't it? To give up everything, to follow him, to surrender, that's not easy. It's difficult. Yet that's what God has called us to. We see it. We see it in the lives of the disciples who, man, all but John and ultimately gave up their life for the gospel. They were willing to surrender all, and they said to Jesus, man, we've given up everything, everything to follow you. And what is it in our lives? Like the rich man or the man who wanted to go back and bury his father. What in our life keeps us from truly following Jesus? I think it's important to examine and look at our lives and ask ourselves, you know, what, what are those things? What are they that hold us back from that true devotion, from pursuing the kingdom of God? And I'd encourage you to take a look at your life and know that, hey, yeah, okay, I know Jesus has called me to come and see, and I've made that decision for salvation. But now, is he calling me to more? Is he calling me to more? What's he calling me to give up? What's he saying here when he says, man, you must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me? What is it in my life that is holding me back from pursuing him, from going like uh, Philip and and Andrew and these guys in Matthew that went and and told their friends, you got to come and see Jesus. What is it that's holding me back? There's a cool story. Uh, A guy by the name of Lieutenant Keith Wells and some of you may have heard the story, but uh, it's a story. Uh, there was a, a great battle going on at Mount Sudubachi is the name of the mountain, Mount Sudubachi. And in this battle, it's considered the most fortified mountain in, in history. And it's a seven-story bunker. So they had a seven-story. This is how big this mountain was. It was a seven-story bunker, heavily fortified. And then between the opposition, there was 200, 200 yards of open field. So it, it appeared like it'd be nearly impossible to take, right? Very difficult. So they had the, the plan was laid out. They had their strategy. What was going to happen is the planes were going to come in, and they were going to bomb this bunker at 8 o'clock in the morning, and then the tanks were going to follow, and this ba- the battle was going to ensue, right? And so it's laid out. 8 o'clock, airplanes come. They bomb the mountain. And so now the tanks are to arrive shortly after, and they're going to go to war, and guess what? Tanks never show up. At 8.30, tanks still haven't showed up, and the general gives the command to go. No tanks. Nobody moves. And it's sad, and the story goes, that Lieutenant Keith Wells gets up and heads to the mountain by himself. (laughs) Doesn't matter what anybody else does, does it? We are called to follow no matter how difficult. And the story of Keith Wells, and you see it, and you know what? He, fall, he jumped up, and he, he jumped up, and he went to the mountain. Guess what? People followed. And you read the story about this mountain, and there was over 600 were killed, over 500 missing in action, over 4,000 were wounded, but days later, they raised the flag on the top of the mountain. And I love this story. Here's a guy, knows the cost, knows the cost, very easily could take his life. He, he was injured because of it. Very easily took many people's lives. But he counted the cost, and he says, I know the mission, and I'm going. As followers of Jesus, there is a cost to follow Jesus. There is a cost to surrender all, to surrender all, the cost of following Jesus. And so the question becomes, when Jesus calls, 
come and see salvation, surrender all? Will we answer? Will we follow? Will we be like these disciples? They came, they saw, they chose, and they ultimately decided we will surrender all for you, for the kingdom of God, for the sake of the gospel. I would ask us that we would choose to examine our lives. And we could be at any of those places right now. I, I don't know your heart. I don't know your background. But ask ourselves, is, is, are we at a place now that it's, it's simply, hey, I need to come and see who Jesus is. Maybe I need to dig into the Gospel of John and see his life, see his teaching, see his miracles, see his healing, see the death and resurrection and what he's called me to. Maybe that's where we're at, to come and see who he is. Maybe we're at that fork in the road where we've heard the message, we've seen it played out, and now I've got to make a decision. Okay, if he's the son of God, I need to make him the king in my life. And we can be like Nathaniel. Man, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. And that we would choose that for our own life. That we'd understand that he came to give light. We would understand that he came to give life. He came to give salvation. He came to give redemption for us. And maybe we're at a point where we need to surrender. We need to be willing to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him. Maybe we're like the rich man, that we're holding on to something that's hindering us from truly following him. We need to pray, we need to examine our lives and ask God to reveal those things to us. What is it? What is it that's holding me back from serving you, from pursuing the kingdom of God? To see, to understand salvation, and then to surrender. This is the call of Jesus to follow him. I want to leave you with one last story. If you finish reading here in John chapter 1 with the story of uh, Philip and Nathaniel, and you'll see Jesus again interacting with Nathaniel here in verse 50. Jesus says to him, If you believe, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I love this story he leaves them with. And these guys knew the scriptures, right? They'd examined the scriptures, they'd heard the story. And what Jesus is talking about is he's going back to Genesis 28. And the story in Genesis 28 is Jacob having this dream. And in Jacob's dream, there is this stairway. There is this ladder between heaven to earth. Heaven to earth, there's a ladder. And this is, this is the dream that Jacob had. And so what Jesus is telling him, he says, guys, you know the scriptures. You know the story. You know Jacob's dream. Well, you know what? I'm that ladder. I'm that stairway that there is one way to heaven. As Paul tells us, there is one mediator between God and man, and it's Jesus Christ. And he lays this truth out, lays this truth out for Nathaniel. Listen, I'm the stairway, I'm the ladder, that the only way to heaven, the only way to God is through me. And you'll see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man me. As we take communion, as we remember his body that was broken, the blood that was shed, we want to dwell on Jesus, this mediator between God and man, the only way. 
Jesus said, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. To understand what Jesus has done, to understand the sacrifice that was made, to understand this great thing he has done for us in going to the cross, that we could experience the light of life, that we could experience life, that we could experience salvation, full and abundant life. We must understand that it's only, only through Jesus. And so we want to remember him, his body broken, his blood shed. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you for Jesus. And God, we want to hear your calling on our life, that you are calling us to follow you, follow you. God, as we examine our life, God, wherever we are at, maybe it's come and see. Maybe it's to begin to see your word. Maybe it's begin to spend time with others who have encountered you. God, maybe it's salvation. Maybe we're at that place. God, where we truly need to understand that you are the ladder. You are the stairway. You are the one way to the Father. You are the one way to heaven. You are the way, the truth, and the life. No other way but by you. God, if we're there this morning, God, may you convict us of our sin. Maybe you convict us that we have this great need for a Savior, Jesus. God, maybe we're at a place where we've made that decision to follow you. But God, we're, we're at a place we need to surrender all. We need to be willing to let go. We need to be willing to give up. God, we ultimately we want to be like these disciples who, when we encounter you, when our lives are changed by you, we can't help but go tell others. We can't help but go tell other people we care about, people we encounter, that they too need to come and see Jesus. Thank you for life and life abundant through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father for your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen.